0: Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Oh, no one even said anything. Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. There we go. Good to see all of you here. Isn't the weather just wonderful? Does anyone already think it's already summer? It's not technically summer, but doesn't it feel like it? I'm really looking forward this year to our kids' camp. If you look on your chairs, those little flyers are for our kids' camp happening just next month. And so we're gearing up for that. So we have a meeting today to talk about the vision. The goals of this kids' camp, it's really just to kind of uh, whet your appetite for this meeting that's going to happen after church. Really, the big point, the goal of this camp is to invite kids in Manitou who maybe don't usually go to church, whose parents don't go to church, invite them into our kids' camp for a pretty spectacular kids' camp with games and fun and crafts and all kinds of fun stuff and tell them about the love of God. Because kids these days, they need to hear that God loves them. Amen? Amen. I been I was this weekend I was just you know looking once again at the news it's it's hard to look at the news and not see just the bad stuff a shooting going on in Texas and lord have mercy people need to know that God loves them. People need to know that God is overall. People need to know the message of Jesus and, and humbling ourselves and following him. And so Kids Camp this year, I'm really excited for it. We're going to do what we did last year, except we're going to level it up. It's going to be even more awesome. And last year, we had a ton of volunteers. I think about the Wallers back there that were doing production. Where's Jay? She was on bass. She led our like dance ministry. My wife, Erica, wrote a song. Ariel, you helped with I see you back there. She helped with like the little kids. It was like a team leader. Uh, The Scudlarics, where are they at? They helped with the food. Uh, Kelly Cabrice, she helped with crafts. So many of you helped. We would love to have you help. So stick around. There'll be refreshments uh, after church today. We'll have like a half hour, 45 minute meeting talking about kids camp and how you can be involved. So that's that announcement. Is everyone ready to jump in to the Word of God. (laughs) All right, jump in with me to the book of 1 John, not to be confused with the Gospel of John, although last week I said that they're the same author. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, that talks about confession. And the title of this sermon is The Power of Confession. The Power of that, that is, is placed upon us when we confess, when we go to God, when we go to other people in our life, in our relationships, and we confess there is tremendous power in that. So would you stand with me? We're going to read 1 John chapter 1, verses 8, 9, and 10. Just three verses, very simple, but full of depth. If you take this message in to your life, it says this, it says, if we claim to be without sin, so think about that, if you, if you, you go around, you like, I haven't done anything wrong, I haven't sinned, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine, I don't need God. If you claim to be without sin, John says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But then listen to this good news, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? And then verse 10, he goes back to the same idea of claiming to be without sin. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's continue standing. Lord, as we pray to you, may this be true of us. May we confess our sin. May we be the first to go to you and say, Lord, we're sorry. We have sinned. We've fallen short. And Lord, this promise here in this verse says that you will forgive us, you will purify us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, we receive this promise of yours. Lord, we're so grateful that this is the good news of the gospel, that if we confess, you will clean us, you will purify us from all sin and all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you so much we praise your holy name in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted, amen. amen. Good job. You may be seated. Let me start off with a story about confession. And it's a story about uh, my boys. I have four boys they were up here rascaling around, probably distracting you during the worship. Um, and it's, it must be hard to be a pastor's son in a church of this size and just know that sometimes the pastor tells stories about you. So I'm going to tell a quick story, and later on I'm going to tell another story, uh, but I'm not going to say any of their names. It's just kind of a general, my boys. Uh, and, and this is kind of true for all kids. I mean, if you know kids, if you're a parent or a babysitter, you just you just know That kids, they're not quick to confess after they've done something wrong, right? So a couple, uh, this is maybe a week and a half ago, uh, right before dinner, there was a candy wrapper in the middle of our mudroom floor, and it was fresh, like the chocolate was still gooey. And it was like a big king size candy bar. Ten minutes before... 10 minutes before we're about to eat the healthy meal that I'm preparing, someone in our house ate a king-size candy bar. And I usually like go to Erica, my wife, jokingly and say, Erica, did you eat a king-size candy bar sitting in the mudroom floor? And then the joke is, she's like, yes, I was starving and I had nowhere else to go. So I sat on the floor and ate a chocolate bar. And it's just kind of a joke we have. Uh, but, But this time she wasn't around. So I called my boys in and I I said, guys, who ate this candy bar? And they're all like, oh, what do you mean? What candy? What's what's a candy bar? What's the, I don't know. Uh, What what do you mean? Who could have, I don't know. Who would have done that? 10 minutes? Wow, who would have done that? Like, they all have no idea. One of them has chocolate all over their face. And so I'm like, guys, who did this? And, and no one, everyone's kind of silent. And I, I really, I'm, you know, we're all trying to be good parents, right? Those of you who are parents, we're trying. I'm trying. And so I say, guys, it's, it's a good thing to confess. If you've done something wrong, um, there might be, in our house, we do timeouts, and they have the little kindness journals. And so as a, you might have to do a kindness journal entry. You might have a timeout. But there's a wait that we carry around when we've done something wrong and we don't tell anybody, when we're being asked and we lie about it. And so, guys, who did it? And I just waited for an eternity. It was probably two minutes, maybe three minutes. In a kid's mind, it was like three centuries had passed. And one of them, the one with chocolate all over his face, finally said, It was me. I did it, and so I excused the other, okay, other guys. You could go away, and we just had a quick conversation and said, you know, isn't it? Don't, isn't it like you're carrying around? A weight, when you've done something wrong and you're lying and you're not confessing, it's like you're carrying a weight. But doesn't it feel good? Like once you confess and you say that it's you, there might be some, you know—you might have to do a timeout. You might have to do a kindness journal entry. That's what we do at our house. But doesn't it feel good to to alleviate that weight? And yes, it it was just a great parenting moment. Sometimes it doesn't always go uh, according to plan. But in that time, it was just like, yeah, that's what confession should be like. Confession is hard to do, but it's it's important. Let me let me show you this verse. Let's get into a definition of confession. I have a three-point sermon. I know I wondered from that last, if you were here last week, I had a, what, I have a two-point? And so many of you, you know, you emailed me, you called in. I can't believe, just kidding, no one called in. No one emailed. Uh, it's just on me. But I do have a three-point sermon uh, for you today. The first point is just the definition. What What is Confession. What's the definition of confession? It's quite simply this: to admit or to state that one has committed a crime or is in uh, is at fault in some way. It's that simple. Just to admit or to state. So what this verse is saying. we'll, we'll put up: verse uh, John chapter one, uh, verse nine says this: that if we just confess, and so if we just state, if we admit that we have sinned, he is faithful, he is just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So think about the simplicity of that. If we just say we've sinned, then what happens? God purifies us from all unrighteousness. Is that pretty simple? Is that the gospel? Is that like, is that really, there? according to this verse, that's what we have to do. We just have to confess. And some of you in here are probably like, well, there's got to be more to it. Like, well, what about repentance? What about living a life with God? What about, uh, you know, isn't this kind of like a cheap grace to just say that, you just have to say that you've sinned and God will forgive you? Well, that's what this verse is saying. And, and by the way, there, there is, you know, the book of John, John uh, 1 John, We'll go into you know next week, the week next week is Mother's Day, then we'll go into chapter two, the week after that, and then we'll talk about John is commending us not to sin. It's actually a challenging letter. He said he goes into uh, you know we, we need to follow the commands of the Lord, but it all begins. What I want to say right to you right now if you're if you're listening to this Word of God, if you're reading the words and have this in your heart, not just your mind what the author wants you to know is it all begins with a simple confession, a relationship with the Lord. Getting right with the Lord begins with confession. And so John 1, uh, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, I'll read it again. He's faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You're like, doesn't it cost more than that? Isn't there more to it? Well, if the confession is real, Well, of course, that would lead to repentance. Of course, that would lead to following God in his ways. But really, the good news is that it all begins with confessing to the Lord and letting his work, his grace, cover us from our sin. Let me tell you a story, kind of a sermon illustration story. So there was a son of a police officer in a small town. And the son got his driver's license And he thought it'd be pretty cool to go out Friday night, spin around town, peel out, you know, get the car going, see if he could do some drifting, trying to race around town a little bit. He does, he loses control of the car, going at pretty high speed, crashes into the sign that says the city's name. The sign falls over, comes to a crash. He fixes the car, he gets out, he tries to push back the bumper and and kind of shine up where it was scratched, drives back home, lays in bed, is not able to sleep because he just knows. like He's going to be in so much trouble. How is he ever going to pay for this damage? Next morning, the whole town, they're up in arms. like Who did this? What could have Could this be somebody from the next town trying to get us? Who did this? Is this somebody that's mad at the town? So some people are bringing up, could this be an act of terrorism? Who did this? Everyone's talking about it at the diners. Everybody's talking about the coffee shop. Who could have done this? And days pass by, and the weight of the world, could you imagine, is on this young boy who just got his driver's license and has made a huge mistake. So with the weight of the world on his shoulders, he decides, I need to tell my dad. He goes to his dad, And it's something about dads. Like dads kind of already know stuff. Maybe if you're a kid and you have a dad, your dad probably already kind of knows. Like dads, we just have this sense about us, right dads? And so the dad already knew that the car, something was funny about the car. The bumper wasn't just, you know, something was a little wrong. He was out Friday night. The sign fell over Friday night. The dad kind of already knew. But the son goes to the dad, full of repentance, confesses that he was the one that hit the sign and the sign fell over and this good dad who was a police officer a loving dad said son I, I kind of already knew that it was you and I've been waiting for you to come to me and I'm so glad you did but here, here's what we need to do uh, because I'm you know representing the justice some um, policeman here in this town we need to turn this in we can't just you know hide it we need to turn this in but he said son because you've confessed I'm going to pay. For all the damages. And isn't that like an image? It's a metaphor of, of what this is all about coming to the Father, the most holy God, confessing our sins to Him, and then being filled with love and grace and God's faithfulness in us to cover us of all our sins. The life of confession, confessing before God, is where it all starts. But it's so hard to confess. It really is. It's not just for kids. It's for all of us. It's a hard thing to do. Point two is this. It's, it's hard to confess. It really is. You know, our whole world right now is, you know, the, the ways of, like, there's a God and there's right and wrong in our world today. Like, that seems like it's kind of out the window, right? I'm seeing a lot of people nod their heads. Like, it seems like the, the, the gray areas of morality have, have, have been and just keep increasing and increasing in our world today, where everyone in society would have said, that's wrong. Now it's like, well, it might be wrong for you, or it might be wrong for you know someone else, but it's not wrong for them. There's justifications, there's just ways of, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, you just do you. That's that's kind of the phrase today. You do you. Whatever you need to do to be happy, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, well then you just do you. And even when someone does hurt someone else, it's like my kids. I'll give another example of my four boys. Uh, I saw this. So I, I mentioned the kindness journal. They have to write, about the, like if they do something, they have to write in this little kindness journal. And usually it's like, I'm sorry. But a couple weeks ago, one of them like hit the other one in the stomach. I mean, this is like daily kind of stuff. Uh, one of them hit him the in the stomach and then said, hey, you need to write a kindness journal entry about that. Wrote in his kindness journal. His apology was, I'm sorry, your stomach hit my hand. <laughs> It's like, are you kidding me? And I think like, that not that some of the press releases that are going out like today? Like adults who have done something bad, there's victims of what this person has done, and then a press release goes out saying, our thoughts and prayers are with the victims. We are very sorry for the pain and hardship that was felt by the victims. And you're like, what? You did it. You're the one who did it. Where's the apology? Where's the confession that you are actually the one who did it? Am I right? Like we see these things happening and like someone famous will, will do something horrible and these press releases are just like, that, that's not a confession. That's just kind of basically it's saying, I'm sorry I got caught is what it basically is think about that like in our society our society is so uh what's the word litigious is that the right word like there's everybody suing everybody for everything all the time is that the right word usually my wife is here she's on a silent retreat uh with some other girls and usually she's the one that's like yelling out yes you got it so so i need some extra help today anyways litigious that's the right word Okay, thank you. Uh, we, we sue each other for everything. In fact, I was, I was reading the other day, there's this guy who, is, who has the most lawsuits that he's just like slaps a suit on anybody for any reason. He sues famous people for all kinds of weird things and, and most of them are just thrown out, but he has the most court cases. Uh, he heard that the Guinness Book of World Records was going to put his name in their book for the most lawsuits. And guess what he did? He filed a suit against I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. But isn't that like a reflection of our society? Like we're always thinking oh, of court and legal things. And the, in the legal advice world, lawyers will tell you don't ever confess. Like that's, that's legal advice. A, a lawyer will tell you that if a cop pulls you over, you roll down the window, the cop says, do you know why I pulled you over? A lawyer will say, the right answer is I have no idea why you pulled me over. I have none. What do you mean? There's a speed limit? I didn't even know what's going on. I have no idea about anything. That's what, like, lawyer advice for you is to never, ever, ever confess. But I want to tell you, as a pastor, that is horrible spiritual advice. That is horrible life advice. To walk around never admitting, never confessing. Here's the verse. This is point number three. I've taken point number three directly from the lines of scripture that we read. It says, if we claim to be without sin, what ha- what is it? We actually deceive ourselves. I'm going to tell you a story and kind of conclude this sermon with a story about a mission trip I was on Years ago, I was a part of the, the college and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church, and it was called The Mill. Any mill people remember that? Oh, I see those hands. Um, and and, and we, it was really fun in that time of life to go on mission trips, and I got to go on quite a few. And one of the mission trips was to India. And I was leading the team. I was a pastor on staff at that time. And so I was leading actually quite a few teams. I was kind of visiting the teams. And one of the Sundays I got to go to one of the teams and they asked me to preach at the church. And it was just a wonderful experience to to preach in a foreign country through a translator. I picked a very simple uh, sermon. The sermon I picked was on a parable. And the parable, if you want to turn there now, you can, but I'll preface it a little bit more with the story. Uh, It's Luke 18, verses nine through 14. It's the parable of the two people that go to the temple to pray. Do you know this parable? One is a religious leader, he's called a Pharisee, someone high up in the religious teaching world. The other is a tax collector. And in those days, a tax collector would be someone Uh, of like uh, just a a looked down upon profession. In fact, someone that was kind of a traitor to God's people, like taking money from God's people to give to the Roman Empire. So someone who was really looked down upon and a religious leader. They go to the temple to pray and the scene plays out. I'm sure many of you know this parable. The religious leader looks down upon this tax collector and basically his prayer is, I'm so glad I'm not this guy. And the tax collector, this sinner, he doesn't even look up to heaven. He says, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And then Jesus, after this quick parable, says, it's, it's the sinner, the tax collector, that went away from the temple that day, justified before the Lord. And he says, whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. Whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. And I picked this scripture in India to preach at this church on Sunday and it was it was quite an honor because uh, all these people had come to this church. Like other churches in the area, said no, let's go to this church because we have an American pastor coming to preach to us. And people came out, and it was a long church service. It was like maybe an hour and a half of worship. And then like a half hour of announcements. And then I was supposed to preach for like an hour. I think I gave them 30 minutes and they were like, afterwards, they were like, what happened? Like, <laughs> um, but they were there all day and the temperature, has anybody been, ever been to India? It's hot there. especially India in the summer, uh, well over 100 degrees. When we were there, this is more than a decade ago, there was a heat wave. I kid you not, it was 120 degrees. Degrees like in the shade. Like it was, it was 120 degrees air temperature. And we were in this building with a tin roof and people were there like basically all day for a church service. And I just thought, wow, these people have gathered here out of their poverty. People had walked here from like other villages to be at this church to hear me. And the guy introducing me proceeded to take like 10 minutes to honor me and say how awesome I was. He had looked at the website. He had listened to some of my sermons. He was going on and on about me. He went on and on about New Life Church. They, had, they were familiar with some of New Life songs that got translated into, uh, uh, is it Hindi. Is that the language? Thank you. And, and, and so they were, they were familiar with New Life songs and they were going, remember, you know, this song written by John Egan, this pastor, Joe Kirkendall, his office is two offices from John Egan and everyone's just like, wow, this guy, he's gonna preach to us, he's here, he's come all this way and I'm just up there like, ooh, look at me, how cool am I? 10 minute, inter- I mean, imagine if someone gave you a 10 minute introduction, like it was honoring, it was special and I get up there to preach this message and it hit me. Like, I'm preaching a message about two men going to the temple and I'm the one. I'm the Pharisee. Like, I I, I felt the weight of like, I'm, I, am I'm looking down on people. I think I'm everything. I think I'm here and everyone's here to hear me. And it just hit me. And even now, I think about this story throughout my walk and I think, Lord, would you bring me to confession? Would you remind me that it is better to be the one looking not even able to look up to heaven saying, "Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner," because that's where a relationship with God starts. Coming to the God, coming to God not looking down upon other people, but looking up to God and saying, "Lord, would you make me right? I confess my sin to you." I wanna read this passage. It's the parable of the two people who go to the temple to pray. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna read this prayerfully. The band can come forward. In fact, communion servers, you can come forward to prepare us to come to the table. But would you listen to this passage? Would you lean into this and consider that it's very possible that, that you are maybe finding yourself like me a religious leader, someone who is known for going to church, someone who is known for, maybe people know you as like, oh, the the one who goes to church, the righteous one. And it's easy for us to, to look down on others. It's easy to always see other people and say, oh, they need to confess for this. They need to apologize. They need to repent. But I ask the Lord today, I ask the Lord in this moment to show us how we need to go before him humbly in confession and in repentance. So, Here's the parable, Luke 18, verse 9. We don't always have the, the context of Jesus and, and what was going on as he begins to ter- tell a parable, but here we have it. Verse 9 says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looking down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to a temple to pray a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a 10th of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Would you pray with me? We often pray this prayer. It's a prayer of confession. We'll say it in unison. Don't just say the words, but pray them. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you In thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. I want to invite everyone here to come forward for communion. We're going to go from the front to the back. You're going to come towards the center, making a journey, walking down to the cross. Uh, Whether whether you're on this side or this side, you'll come by the people uh, serving communion. You'll be handed the, the little cup. They'll say, Christ's body and blood for you. Look them in the eyes. Receive it. Just hold on to it. Go back to your seat holding it. We'll all take and receive communion together. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. It's the body of Christ for the body of Christ. For all those believing in Jesus, come down. Come to the table, the table of repentance, the table where we receive Christ's gifts for us.